You're listening to Financial Insights, a podcast that helps investors through the difficult maze of financial planning and saving for retirement. I'm Brian Ullman, and I'm a financial advisor and certified financial planner at Ford Financial Group. And together with some guests and other advisors at my firm, we're talking about the issues and questions relating to finance that face our clients every day. You know, sometimes we're not worried about things until we're worried about things. And it seems until here very recently, markets have been consumed by what's going on with the Federal Reserve and interest rates, and rightfully so. Interest rates play a big role in the run-up that we've had in these last couple of years, uh, really since COVID hit almost exactly two years ago. And interest rates are going to play a role on how we go post-COVID with the economy and, and kind of everything else with markets. Uh, but lately, and you know, you have to be under a rock to see that global stock markets are selling off hard after Russian military forces attacked a broad range of targets across uh, Ukraine earlier this week. And while Russian President Putin vowed to replace Ukraine's government, stocks understandably have been shaken. So the question we ask today is what does this all mean for stocks and the economy? Russia invading Ukraine has already has added to an already tense year. Investors selling first, asking questions later at this point. But I think it's important to know that past major geopolitical events were usually short-term market issues, especially if the economy is on solid footing. One of the things that I, if I've talked to you already on the phone uh, or over Zoom or however we've chatted, if we've done it directly, I've probably reminded you about the headline that we got at the end of January that said, uh, this past January was the worst January for stocks since 2009. And it's it's totally misleading because the, one of the reasons why that January was not good for stocks is because, well, this last one was the, the worst one since then was because January is usually pretty good for stocks. And that's why we haven't had a bad January really since 2009. But the, it also invokes these, these um, notions of 2009 and where we were. We were on the brink of depression in January 2009, and we are decidedly on the opposite side of that right now, where we have an economy that's running so hot that it's spinning off more inflation than I think any of us want. So that's something to keep in mind as we, as we look at some of these headlines and some of the dips that we've had and how it was related to interest rates. But now the focus is, of course, on Russia and Ukraine. And so I, I've got 11 things here that I think it's important to remember. Number one, while the market reaction is likely to be more acute than the response to Russia's illegal annexation of Crimea in 2014, the, the attack on American interests is less direct than the Iraq invasion of Kuwait in 1990. It just matters less to us and our economy. And I don't mean this as a as kind of being, uh, this isn't meant to be crass or unsympathetic to the people in Ukraine. But as investors, we're able to keep this narrow view of what's important and what's not important, because what matters is how it impacts our economy and our companies that we're invested in. So is the invasion into Ukraine, does that mean there isn't a line at Starbucks this morning? Of course not, right? People are still going about their business here. And and as we go forward, what's going on with Russia and Ukraine matters much more for Europe uh, than it does for us. And it matters even less for us than it did with Iraq's invasion in Kuwait in 1990. So number two, speaking of 2014, stocks and bonds in the U.S. both took that event in stride in the annexation of Crimea. 
while European stocks were considerably weaker for several weeks. Interestingly, crude oil spiked initially, then quickly sold off. We are already seeing that that crude oil spike going on right now. So that's going to be an interesting thing to watch developed. To watch develop. Uh, number three, broader questions of the long-term impact on the U.S. and European diplomatic and geopolitical goals, as well as the conflict's impact on U.S. national interests, are significant, but not in themselves market-moving. Right? This might actually tighten up NATO, where things have gotten a little bit looser here in the last presidential administration, and could refocus the solidarity between the U.S. and, and European countries in terms of security and and those types of things. But is it moving markets? Are those agreements moving markets? Probably, probably not. Number four, stock market drawdowns from geopolitical shocks average about 5%, with a recovery taking under two months. Larger conflicts in sensitive regions can be deeper and last a little bit longer, but generally 5% recovery within two months. I don't know when you think back to the last uh, geopolitical crisis was. I think most recently we can go and look at the U.S. pulling out of Afghanistan. The one that I've cited most recently with people I talk to is when we dropped a an airstrike, a drone airstrike on the head of an Iranian general in January of 2020. This is right before COVID, so we've all forgotten about it now. But at the time, um, there was some dark jokes running around about World War III and Iran and what was going to happen there. Um, we saw a one-day sell-off of nearly a percent, and markets recovered within five days. So that's something to consider. Other larger ones, 2019, there was a Saudi Aramco drone strike. We had the North Korea missile crisis in 2017, bombing of Syria in 2017, the Marathon, Boston Marathon bombing in 2013. That took about 15 days to bounce back from, right? There's, there's plenty of history here. Um, showing how long these, ge- how impactful these geopolitical situations last. Let's go to number five. Number five, while we expect further mo- market volatility as this situation kind of unfolds and the fog lifts, elevated uncertainty may persist for several weeks. But if the conflict is actually constrained, and this is more about Russia taking Ukraine to secure important oil supply lines, which is suggested by some, it doesn't seem as though this is going to create some long-lasting contagion in broader markets. And it can be, will really settle in just as a regional conflict and not something broader, even though I understand the implications with NATO and this is the, you know, uh, sovereign countries invading sovereign countries. That's not a great thing, of course, but we're talking from an investment perspective. Um, and I, and we just at this point don't see how this is going to, um, create larger issues for broader markets. I'll post to one of the LPL charts of the day here for number six. But in number six, uh, if the economy avoids a recession after or during a major geopolitical event, stocks usually do just fine. And as I mentioned, we're not on the brink of recession at any even close right now. We looked at 37 major historical or geopolitical events since World War II. And found that if there's no recession, when stocks gain nearly 11, if there's no recession in there, stocks gain nearly 11% a year later. Now, of course, the flip side here is that there, if there is a recession, stocks are down more than 11% a year later. But given the fact that we just simply don't see a recession on the horizon due to strong consumer and corporate earnings, 
this weakness that we've seen could actually turn and be an opportunity for the right kinds of investors. Let's go on to number seven. And number seven has to do with commodity prices because upward pressure on commodity prices already impacted by the COVID-19 related supply chain disruptions may actually see a more sustained impact as economic sanctions start to play out will probably be the main source of risk for a possible broader repercussion economically. Higher commodity prices can weigh on things, and that's something that we're going to need to keep an eye on. This takes us to number eight. European equities have done very well relative to their U.S. counterparts so far this year, as U.S. mega caps have actually kind of stumbled in these last two months. But their relative performance may stall as this crisis plays out, right? Because the effects of all these sanctions and what's going on with Russia and how Russia supplies energy to Europe has will likely uh, impact Europe much harder than the U.S. Um, and so that's something to keep in mind as we put together asset allocation, trying to figure out where where this might affect us. It might make sense to actually um, steer more domestic than European uh, with the portfolio makeup. Let's look at number nine. Number nine is that there may be some market opportunities out there for active traders during the crisis. Most investors, we believe, understanding the typical market risk response to geopolitical risk and focusing on whether we're likely to be at the end of this rather than at the beginning, um, it, there is some opportunity out there for more active traders at this point, and even for less active traders, but somebody who has some funds on the sideline or has some excess cash that's been waiting to deploy, this could be your chance on the correction here um, as we hit new depths on the year. Number 10, building on that notion, the past market corrections of 10 to 15% have been followed by a rather strong future performance. So if if this correction remains in correction territory and doesn't tip into bear market territory, this could be the opportunity. And right now we are in that, I guess, sweet spot, if you will, of a market correction that's hovering between 10 and 15%. And if we remain here and don't dip a whole lot lower, it could actually be a really good sign to come as we move forward. And that kind of falls in line with the opportunistic notions of this dip that we've experienced. And then finally, from a, this is number 11, from a purely technical perspective, we still continue to see near-term opportunities in commodity-exposed equities. Commodities are going to be a hot commodity. I'm sorry for the pun, but that's where... These constraints are going to push prices higher, and so there might be some opportunity there. Now, take some of this with a grain of salt, because everyone's situation is much different. Someone who's very conservatively invested, living off their dividends, versus someone who's younger and maybe more aggressively invested. Someone who's older, but doesn't need the money and therefore aggressively invested, right? Everybody's situation is a little bit different from one another. And, and this is, as we talk about this Russian-Ukraine stuff... It's a very fluid situation and one that we're watching closely. It's important if you're worried about your portfolio to talk to your advisor, see what this effect has for you. My guess is if you have a retirement plan and if you've projected having projections in the future, you have built in market volatility into that retirement plan. And so this is not going to throw you off whether you can retire or not, or it shouldn't. If you don't know if what the impact of this is going to be on you and your portfolio and your prospects prospects for retirement, 
it's time to email us or give us a call. Our email is info at FordFG.com. Let's tighten up that retirement plan. If you're a do-it-yourselfer and not sure where to go next, having the counsel of a professional is going to help you as you go forward and give you some perspective on what's going on. I'm going to leave it there. I suspect we'll be discussing this issue more in the coming weeks, uh, but I look forward to that and look forward to how, kind of over the next couple of weeks, seeing how these geopolitical events are actually affecting the Federal Reserve and what they may be doing with interest rates because of the volatility, right? It always comes back to interest rates, doesn't it? I guess so. We'll talk next week. The advisors with Ford Financial Group are registered representatives with and securities are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA and SIPC. Investment advice is offered through Ford Financial Group, a registered investment advisor and a separate entity from LPL. The opinions voiced in this material are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Stock investing involves risk, including loss of principal. No strategy assures success or protects against loss. The economic forecasts set forth in this podcast may not develop as predicted. Ford Financial Group and LPL Financial do not provide tax or legal advice or services. This information is not intended as a solicitation or an offer to buy or sell any security referred to herein.